Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, this episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by London School Online, which is a service provided by the London School of English, where I used to work. London School Online offer online courses for general English, business English, exam preparation and English for specific purposes. And they're offering all of you a 10% discount on all their online courses. Every single course they offer, 10% off. And these are tried and tested courses which give you the key language and skills that you need to make you more effective in your English communication, whatever the situation. Just go to londonschoolonline.com and use the offer code LUKE10 at checkout to get your 10% discount. londonschoolonline.com and the offer code LUKE10. All right then, so here's a new episode of the podcast and here is the jingle at the beginning starting right now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, 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 hello. Here's a new episode of the podcast. It's nice to be talking into the microphone uh, again in this episode. I hope it's nice for you to be listening to it. I'm back from my trip to Japan. It is great to be back. It's nice to be back home again after a very long flight. Uh, we had an absolutely amazing time in Japan. We did all the big Japanese things. We saw the cherry blossom, enjoyed lots of delicious food, explored parts of Kyoto and Tokyo, saw a mix of the busy metropolitan city areas and the more peaceful natural spots too, and had an amazing evening entertaining Japanese lepsters at a comedy show in Tokyo. It was a brilliant and intense week, uh, and it was really great to be back in the country that I called home for several years. And I will be recording a couple of episodes about that soon, and I'll tell you all about the trip, including uh, descriptions of what we did and what we saw and how it all felt. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Uh, those will be episodes coming up in the near future. But in the meantime, here is an episode which I recorded uh, before going away on a holiday. So I recorded this, I guess, just over a week ago. And um, this one is uh, another conversation with my friend and former colleague from the London School of English, Andy Johnson, recorded on Skype while he was attending the IATEFL conference in Glasgow earlier this month. Okay, so that's what you, you will be listening to in this episode. But before we start that, let me just make a couple of announcements here at the beginning. Okay, so here are a couple of announcements before uh, the conversation with Andy. So the first announcement is that Luke's English Podcast very recently uh, celebrated its eighth birthday. So uh, Luke's English Podcast is now officially eight years old, which is nice, isn't it? That's good. Uh, eight years old, um, and um, basically Easter 
is pretty much the birthday uh, for Luke's English podcast because I first started doing this podcast uh, in Easter of 2009. I remember that I was back home at my parents' house uh, during the Easter holiday and that's when I recorded the first two episodes. In fact, I think it was the first three episodes. The first episode of this podcast is basically me giving an introduction to the podcast, explaining, um, you know, my general approach to doing episodes and just introducing myself. Um, I recorded that episode while sitting in my brother's bedroom or what used to be my brother's bedroom, uh, a quiet room uh, upstairs. And I put my computer down on the desk there and recorded that first episode. I remember it still. Um, And then the second episode was a conversation with my dad and we recorded that in the dining room and we talked about Easter and my dad's memories of Easter as a child and things like that. The third one was recorded. I don't know why I'm telling you uh, the locations of the recordings of these uh, old episodes, but I don't know. It's just just I just felt like doing it. The third one was recorded in the living room with my mum and we talked about uh, the Beatles because uh, she used to be a huge fan. Uh, back in the days of Beatlemania, and in fact, she saw the Beatles performing live on stage several times. Uh, so if you haven't listened to those episodes, then you can still find them in the episode archive. Uh, you won't be able to find those on iTunes, because as I've said before recently, uh, iTunes has a limit of 400 episodes. And now my podcast is like way over the 400 episode mark. Um, uh, but you can still find those, even if they're not available on iTunes. You can find them all in the episode archive at uh, teacherluke.co.uk. So anyway, eighth eighth birthday of Luke's English podcast, which is nice. And um and how am I going to celebrate that? Well, I think I will just celebrate that in a in a fairly uh, low profile way by having a nice cup of tea and a biscuit or something. Anyway, I just thought I'd just say that that's it. Eighth birthday of Luke's English podcast. Fine. I mean, after eight birthdays, you know, it all starts to get a little bit normal after a while, doesn't it? No big deal. Eight years of the podcast. Um, so next announcement is uh, please do. Uh, vote for Luke's English Podcast in the British Podcast Awards if you haven't already done it. Um, voting still is open. Um, it, uh, the voting actually closes on the 28th of April uh, for, for the Listener's Choice Award. So if you haven't voted, then please do it. Uh, and if you have voted, then thank you very much indeed. I've had uh, a number of uh, little comments and messages from people saying that uh, they voted for me. So if that's you, then thank you very much. Um, I have a slim chance of winning this one, I think. Uh, I do have quite a slim chance of winning it because, um, you know, I'm up against some extremely popular uh, podcasts uh, like those, you know, produced by the BBC and things like that. So I think I've got a pretty small chance of winning it. But, um, you know, I think if every single one of my listeners voted, then I might, you know, be up there. So, Uh, I do need every single one of you to vote, so please do that if you haven't done it already. And you can just go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote, or just click the British Podcast Awards logo that you'll see on my website, and then just, you know, type in Luke's English Podcast and vote with your email address. It's very simple. Um, And if you've already voted, then, you know, consider uh, asking a a friend or a member of the family to vote too, if they feel like it, Uh, unless, of course, they, you know, can't stand this podcast. Um, But anyway, you know, please do continue voting. Voting ends on the 28th of April. Um, Another announcement before we continue, and that is that um, I will, I am doing an event in Paris uh, on the 27th of April at the British Council. 
Um, so um, at the British Council, they do these things called teacher talks, which are, I guess, they're a bit like kind of TED talks, slightly less flashy, but still nicely presented. Um, and these are talks given by teachers and members of staff at the British Council. Uh, usually the talks focus on an aspect of British culture. And the talks tend to last about 45 minutes. And people in the past, for example, have talked about uh, British opera and uh, David Bowie and things like that. Um, and so it's a, probably about a 45-minute talk with then some time uh, for questions and discussion and conversation afterwards. And uh, drinks and refreshments will be provided. The event is open for everyone. You don't have to be a student at the British Council. It's open to everyone. But you do need to, to uh, register. Um, and so um, my talk, which is happening on the 27th of April in the evening, that's a Thursday evening, my talk is all about uh, British humour and British comedy. And the title of the talk is, what is this, British humour? Um, and the idea is that I'm going to be um, trying to explain or at least explore um, the culture of humour and comedy in Britain. Um, and I'll be attempting to explain what it is that kind of makes British uh, humour um, unique, or even indeed, even if it is unique, or certainly I'll be talking about the importance and value of humour in British life. And also then I'll, I'll be talking about comedy and um, the ways in which uh, comedy uh, in English um, is different to comedy you might find in French primarily French because I'm doing this in France. I expect most of the people in the audience will be uh, from France. So anyway, that's going to be a cultural talk uh, at the British Council at the beautiful building uh, that uh, they have in uh, Invalide, um just near Invalide Station in the centre of Paris on the 20, 27th of April. Um, and you can make your reservations uh, on the British Council's website. Uh, and if you need to find the, the link to that, and it's simple, just go to the page for this episode on my website and you'll see the link. Click there and you can make your reservations. It's completely free and everybody is welcome. Um, next announcement is that I'm also performing comedy on Monday evening in Paris. So what's the date for that? Oh, oh here we go. This is where I need to find out the date. Um, let me just check the calendar so I can see the date. What is what is the date on Monday? Um, let's have a little look. So uh, the date on Monday is the 24th of April. So I'm doing uh, comedy in Paris on the 24th of April. So if you are in the Paris area, you can come down and check it out. All the details can be found on my Facebook page uh, for my comedy stuff. Um, and if you just search Facebook for Luke Thompson Comedy then uh, that's where you'll find postings of uh, my comedy shows, okay? Um, the final announcement I'd like to make here at the beginning of the episode is that uh, uh, Lepsters in Moscow are getting together this Friday, the 21st of April. Um, and I can't actually be there for the, this one. You know, um, I can't be there. Sorry, I, w I recently uh, did a, a show in, in Japan uh, which was great, um, but I can't necessarily be everywhere all the time, uh, including this one. I can't physically be there in uh, Moscow on Friday, but I will be there in another way. Essentially, I'll be I'll be talking to the group via Skype. So there's going to be a sort of a Skype call between me and uh, the members of the Moscow Lepsters uh, meetup group. Um, and I, I guess I'm going to be responding to, to some questions that they have and just generally talking to them. Uh, so if you're in Moscow, then head on down 
uh, to that and you'll find a room full of very friendly people who love to listen to this podcast, like-minded people who you can get together with and speak English to. And I will be talking to the group as well using the magic of the internet. It's like the future, isn't it? It's like a video conference kind of thing. Uh, so check out the Moscow Lepsters Conversation Club on Facebook for more details of that, including exactly where that is happening. Um, all right, so let's move on now to this episode. Okay, so let's now talk about this episode of the podcast. Um, now, in episodes 423 and 424, if you listen to them, um, you might remember that I spoke to my former colleagues, Andy Johnson and Ben Butler, both of them English teachers from the London School of English, uh, where I used to work when I lived in London. And uh, Andy and Ben were in Paris to take part in a teaching conference. And um, we sat in the foyer of their hotel, drinking overpriced beer. And we talked about loads of things, including teaching, uh, Andy and Ben's presentations at the conference, uh, millennials, teaching English for specific purposes, our teaching experiences, and also a few anecdotes about our appearances, including a couple of funny stories about how Andy sometimes gets mistaken for Moby, the American musician. And uh, they were fun and popular episodes, and they sparked quite a lot of discussion in the comments section on the website, including a debate about who is the best teacher between Andy and me, and how we should settle that debate by having a high-profile wrestling match. Yes, I know, it sounds a bit dramatic, doesn't it, as a way of solving that question of who's the better teacher? Well, why not fight for it and find out? Um, well, anyway, in this episode, Andy is back uh, on the podcast, and this time he's at another teaching conference because, you know, he's a teaching professional, and um, the London School of English likes to send their teachers to these conferences to give talks. And this time, the English teaching industry's biggest event uh, the IATEFL conference is the one that Andy is attending. The IATEFL conference um, is, yeah, it's probably, certainly in the British English world, it's the, it's the English teaching industry's biggest event. And it happens every year, every year in a different uh, location. And this is where all of the, you know, top people in English teaching get together and share ideas. And it's brilliant. I've never been to one. Um, I've heard a lot about it. Um, I've read a lot of materials uh, relating to it, seen videos about it and stuff like that, um, and uh, I'd love to go there one day. But uh, this year, the conference was taking place in Glasgow. Um, now, Ben was not available uh, for this episode because he was actually attending a session at the conference while I was talking to Andy. But I spoke to Andy and asked him about uh, this year's conference, and we continued our conversation about millennials from the last time. And you'll also hear a couple of stories about what happened in Paris in November after we recorded our previous conversation, because uh, I think if I think we actually recorded that conversation after day one of the conference, so there were still a couple of days of the conference left. So um, there are a couple of stories about uh, what went on uh, on the Saturday evening, and a number of other things, including the idea of us going head to head in a no holds barred wrestling match in order to determine who really is the greatest English teacher uh, between the two of us. So, without any further introduction, here is Andy Johnson in Glasgow, back on the podcast. 
So, hello Andy, how are you today? I'm very well, how are you? I'm alright, thanks. So, where are you actually? I am in Glasgow this time, in uh-huh. Scotland, uh-huh. in um, a pretty horrible hotel room, to is be it, honest. Is it more or less horrible than the hotel you stayed at in Paris last time? It's much worse. Oh, much really? Worse. How, yeah. How yeah. exactly? Um, it's old, it's shabby, the carpets are a bit kind of dirty. Um, it's a really cold room as well. So if mm. you're in here at any time... Apart from 5am in the morning, it's freezing. But at 5am, I've been here three nights, and at 5am I've woken up and it's been boiling in the room. And and then it goes cold again. I really don't understand. It's like maybe that's when the ghosts leave the room, right. and the rest of the time the ghosts are here and it's just freezing. But yeah, so every, every morning at 5am I've woken up just gasping for air because it's just been so hot. Oh my goodness. And it's very, very strange. Okay. Um, and you're in Glasgow. Yes. So I'm what, what's it like in Glasgow then? Glasgow is a great city. It's really, I really do like it. It's one of my favourite um, cities in the UK. Um, but it's freezing. Spring definitely hasn't arrived in Glasgow yet. Right. It's uh, it's really really quite cold and windy, and a bit wet. Okay. All right then. So, what are you doing in in a shabby hotel in Glasgow? Then, what's going on? Uh, I'm speaking at another conference, Luke. Ah, you're doing the conference circuit these days. I am. Yeah, I am. Um, actually, this is the first conference I've done since I last spoke to you, which would have been in um, November, was it? November, yeah. Yeah, in Paris. Um, so, yeah, this is the, the first one of the year and probably... I, I, need to, I don't do that many. I do maybe two or three a year, but, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm at a conference. So which conference is this? Well, this one is the IATEFL conference, which is the um, the International Association of Teaching English as a Foreign Language. So it's it's for students, it's for teachers, it's for all sorts of people who are um, working in in this field, and um, it's the biggest I think of its type in the world. There's about three thousand people here. Oh wow! Okay. So uh, yeah, it's it's a huge huge event. Mm. So I mean. Just give us an idea of, of what it's like at the conference then. I mean, you know, you walk into the entrance and, you know, what can you see? What's happening? What do people do there? Tell us about the conference, you know, so that we know exactly what it's like. Uh, okay, so um, it's at the Scottish Exhibition Centre, which is a huge building. And uh, you go in and, first of all, there's just people everywhere, tons and tons of people walking around looking lost. And on one side of the, the hall, you've got, there's a big hall which has um, exhibitions and, you know, places where you can get books and meet people. And it's kind of where the networking side of things happen. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of the building and up the stairs and across in one of the hotels are all the the meeting rooms and the presentation rooms. So at any one time... Um, I'm just going to get my little uh, guide out here so I can tell you exactly what happens. Okay. So there's the you can start going to talks from about nine o'clock in the morning and they finish about half six in the evening. Okay. So and the talks will be half an hour, an hour, you know, whatever, forty five minutes. And at any one time you can choose from maybe twenty different sessions. So it, it's just huge. There's about I think in the week there's something like six hundred and fifty presentations or talks that you can go to wow so you're really spoilt for choice there's so much stuff going on 
Yeah, okay. Um, and, and it can be a bit overwhelming because, you know, you've how do you make your decision about what you're going to go and see? Because you only have a very small amount of information. You have the title and a, like maybe two or three sentences about what the talk is about. So um, it can be a challenge to make sure you go and see the right stuff. Okay. So you've been there for three days, right? Yeah, we came up on Monday and I'm, I'm heading back. Um, well, it's, it's about 10 o'clock in the morning as we're speaking now and I'm getting on a train at about 12 o'clock. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, have you seen any good talks then uh, this year? Yeah, I have actually. I've seen some really interesting stuff. Um, I'm kind of involved in online learning, so I've been trying to go and see a number of talks on, on those kinds of things and how you develop uh, digital products and develop e-learning and so I've seen some really interesting stuff um, I've seen some not so good stuff as well but generally it's been it's been a good standard this year yeah okay I've enjoyed it so what's what is going on in the in the TEFL industry at the moment because most of my listeners will be learners of English you know they'll be on that side of things um, I guess I mean they're, they're, they're students they're, they're learning the language but then there is this whole industry um, in which people like you and me work, uh, and uh, there are publishing companies and you know other you know different organisations involved in the whole business of um, teaching English to people, um, and it's quite a vibrant industry. Especially mm. when you go to a conference like that, you see all the the, the cutting edge uh, techniques, and you meet all of the top people in in the in the industry. Um, what what's going on in our industry at the moment? How how are things sort of panning out in terms of teaching English to people any big stories or what's sort of happening at the moment any big stories yeah uh, what's the not... gen- what's the general trend um, in English teaching at the moment what are what are people talking about well they're talking the, the general trend is that it's more of the same I have to yeah, say really uh, I mean th- this conference is is always it does try to kind of have a look at where the industry is and, and, and where we're going. Yeah. And I suppose the, the change I've noticed from, and I think this is the third or fourth time I've been to this conference and I went the first time maybe five years ago. And back then there was lots of um, scepticism and fear, if you like, about um, technology and, and online learning and, and people thinking, well, that's going to take my job away as a teacher. It's going to replace the teacher. Right. And I think now there's been a change in attitude. I think people can see the value of it and they can see the benefits of it. Hmm. And I think people realise that actually online learning is not there to take their jobs. It's actually there to give their learners and, and give teachers extra tools to, to help people. Yeah. So yeah. that, I'd say, is, is one change that we've had. But um, in terms of if there's anything massive happening, not really, not no. really. Ha- ha- um, Go on, yeah. I was just going to say that one of the curious things about English teachers mm. is that um, they're very creative and they're very innovative and you've got some really good teachers, but mm. as a rule, they don't like change. Yeah. They don't like change because they want to – because I suppose teaching is like a, a craft, if you like, and as soon as you become – good at it and you feel that you master it you want to continue to improve and finesse that and as soon as something comes along that means you have to change the way you do things yeah you kind of you you push back against it and you see that at these conferences okay okay i see how um how are things improving for our learners you know like uh do do you do you think that um things are getting better from the learner's point of view in terms of uh, uh available resources yeah, I think that if you're learning English um, today, you've you've kind of 
you've got it pretty good. You've, you've got more resources and more ways of learning a language than I think you've ever had before. Yeah. Um, you know, 30 years ago or so, if you wanted to learn English, you pretty much would have to get on a plane and come to England and, and do a formal course in a school. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas now, you know, you've got, you've got what you do and you've got, you know, the things like what Korean Billy does and, and, you know, all these online resources. Yeah. Um, part of my interest is, is what we call self-directed learning. Okay. So this idea that more than ever, um, people are going, that they're finding their own ways of learning instead of going to an expert and saying, teach me. Right. Students nowadays and learners nowadays are much more what we call self-directed and they will go and find the resources they need. And usually that's on YouTube or on a podcast. Right. Okay. It's very interesting stuff. What are you talking about this time? Uh, I'm, I did my millennials talk again. So if, if your listeners remember the last time we spoke, I was, I was giving a, a workshop on millennials and on the back of that, I was asked to do this conference. I see. Um, so it was more or less the same talk because not much has changed in the last six years. It's at last six months. Right. Yeah. But I had I had a lot more people and um, I had less time. Yeah. So I had, I had an hour to do my talk when we were in Paris, and I think I took me it took me over an hour to deliver everything. And this time I only had forty five minutes, so I just had to say everything really, really quickly. <laughs> really? Did you choose to just say the same amount of stuff but much faster rather than like uh, cutting stuff out? Then <laughs> no, I cut I cut two things out, but. Um, every time I practiced it, I couldn't keep it to, I couldn't get it anywhere near 45 minutes. Yeah. And at IATFL, they're very, they've got this, they've got this army of volunteers who stand at the back of your room and they hold like cards up saying five minutes left. Oh, right, right. And another one saying two minutes left. And then the final card is stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And I said to the, 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 the um, I had a, a, a a Spanish girl at the back of my room who was holding the cards, and I said to her, "You're going to have to use those because I'm 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 never going to get this done in time." Yeah, uh, but I did. I managed to finish just in time. So um, yeah, it was good. Okay. But they need to do that because because as I said before, there's there's talks going on all through the day, and you need to finish on time so the next person come in because the next talk will begin in five or ten minutes after yours finishes i see so you were talking about millennials again which is basically the question of how do we um deal with this new generation uh, of people in our classrooms um and uh you know how do we respond to this this you know this new type of learner um what do you find most people say because you you're teaching you're, you're talking to rooms full of teachers yeah um many of them are older many of them are not millennials i imagine um and these are the people that sort of you know struggle and are a bit scared of uh, millennials in the classroom who they think are distracted by technology and you know that they don't you know that they're difficult to manage and all this stuff what do people tend to say um about this subject um you, you kind of hit the nail on the head i mean most of the the teachers who I who come to my talks, they they come because they they genuinely struggle to um, connect and engage with this generation, um, and what they are hoping to get from the from me at least is is an understanding of how they can better engage and better teach um, this group of learners, and all I really say to them is I go through the reasons why. Um, millennials behave the way they do yeah. and how they're, a, they're definitely a product of the time they're a product of oh i've lost you have a, 
Wait, you're breaking. You're breaking and, up. Um, Sorry, mate. You, could you repeat that again? Oh, am I? Yeah, you. Um, yeah. You just broke up. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Hear me now. Hear me now. Um, yeah, I was just saying that the my my talk basically gives reasons why or, or attempts to examine why um, millennials present a challenge in the classroom mm. and. and so we talk a little bit about technology, and one of the things I always say is that if, if you're one of those uh, teachers that bans the mobile phone in the classroom, mm. you've got to stop doing that. Because just because someone has a mobile phone doesn't mean that they're not paying attention. Because one of the points I make is that millennials are um, incredibly good at multitasking because they've been raised in an era with so much technology and that they're, they're, they're very skilled at flicking between one media type to another yeah so i think one of the statistics i said was that in in a non-working hour so when you're not at work maybe, yeah you you switch media types 27 times on average in an hour wow, wow. so you might be watching tv but you're also on your phone and you, you know you're also using two or three apps at the same time and you're doing other things yeah so and that you know that's we the previous generations would never do that. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I would sit in front of the TV and just watch TV. Whereas I've got a two and a half year old son yeah. who never just watches TV. He's usually, you know, he's he's also trying to look at my phone or, or use the iPad and the TV just happens to be on. Right. But he's still engaging with all three media types. Mm. And um, so, yeah, so when you when you then get into a classroom, you, you're perfectly happy and capable of listening to the teacher and following what's going on in the lesson. But you're also perfectly capable of doing that whilst looking at your phone and things like that. So and that was a lot of teachers were like looking at me, going, really, how can you possibly No, that's that's not right. That's not fair. That, that shouldn't happen. That's because if someone's looking at the phone, they're not paying attention to the lesson. And my whole point is, well, they are right. Don't assume they're not. I see. Okay. Um, uh, generally, are you feeling sort of positive or negative about this this millennial generation? You know. Oh, what, very positive. Yeah. yeah. How, how come? Yeah. What, what What are the positive things that we can um, think about? Well, I suppose the if you um, if you look at any uh, articles about millennials, they tend to be quite critical. Yeah. They tend to talk about how millennials have. Um, a sense of entitlement or they uh they don't have any resilience so you know they, they're not good at dealing with setbacks and all those kinds of things yeah and i think that's quite an unfair thing to level at them because what you're doing is you're essentially judging a person based on um what has conditioned them to be that way and then right. you're comparing it to how you were and, you know, in, sorry, just to go very quickly into generational theory, yep. uh, you, you and I are, um, I suppose we, we're classed as Generation X. We were at the very tail end of Generation X. So anyone born before, let's say, 1980, for example, mm. um, you and I were born in the late 70s. Um, and that generation had more opportunities than any other in the past. Right. You know, work-wise, um, education wise and so on and the generation before that the baby boomers which was up to around about uh, i think the, the 60s i think i can't quite remember now the dates okay. they had even more opportunities you know yeah. they all owned houses they all you know they had jobs for life mm -hmm. there's no such thing as a job for life anymore yeah and so um because through what and through my work i do a lot of work with learning and development um 
departments at big companies. And one of the big challenges is is being able to retain staff. Right. Because um, many millennials now who are starting work are kind of going in at a level below where they think they should be because it's difficult to get a job. Yeah. So instead of waiting for the right job to come, you'll take something which perhaps is not what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, unsurprisingly, if it doesn't improve quickly or if you don't get what you want, then you move on and you find something that is closer. But you need to work. You need to earn money. So you, you, you compromise to get into the workplace. And so um, as a result, millennials are branded as being disloyal right. or not, not loyal employees. But that's really quite unfair because if the jobs aren't there, how can you be loyal to a job that you hate? Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you understand where they're coming from? Yeah, I try to, and that's what I've been trying to do in the talk and trying to get um, others to understand where they come from as well. Okay, and I I guess millennials kind of have got skills that uh, previous generations don't have, right? Which kind of, you know, Mm. gives them an edge. And, um, you know, it's not all negative. You know, like you said, a lot of the articles and things which are written are all very critical and stuff. And um, uh, Simon Sinek, that video, that that well-known video that's on YouTube, uh, talks about it. And it's a really interesting conversation that he has. Um, And the thing is with that video is that the first, say, what, 10 minutes are him going through all of the criticism and all the negative stuff. But Mm. then he goes on to kind of um, explain a few things, doesn't he? What, Mm. What does he say in the second half of that video? Do you remember? Um, I'm trying to remember what he says. Which which one are you are you talking about, Luke? I, I mean, he's done he's done a few of them. Um, it's one where he's sitting in a studio. Uh, there's a there's a host interviewing him. They're both sitting on chairs in front of an audience. Um, don't worry if you can't remember, because um, I'll just cut this bit out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but one one thing he does says that's quite interesting is yeah. he talks about um, the fact that because of social media and the fact that you can um, share things so readily and so easily and right. you, know, you can you can take a picture of your dinner yeah. and you can put it on Facebook and say, look what I've made. He says that as a result, we're very good at putting filters on things. Uh-huh. So you, you can present yourself in the very best way on social media mm. and make it look as though you've got this wonderful, perfect life. When in the re- reality, may be very, very different. You may be feeling actually quite lonely and quite depressed. Yeah. So his argument is that they project as being very confident, but in reality, it's a generation that is um, very sensitive and um, they are very unsure of themselves in the world. And in the presentation that I did, there's a little video, a three-minute a three video, where they took a group of millennials and they they you know, they show them some of the criticisms that have been made of the millennial generation and then ask them to respond to that. Yeah. And, and there was, there was um, a girl saying that she says it is really difficult growing up in an age where everything you do and or, or there's there's an, an expectation that you have to put everything that you do online yeah. for sharing it, you yeah. know, it, and it is quite um, – and that can really damage your confidence if you if you're not – if you don't get the endorsement of a like or a share or something like that, mm. and if you get anything criti- uh, any criticism, it, it's quite interesting. Yeah, that's right. And also, the the way you perceive the rest of the world is through the filter that they've uh, applied to whatever they've put online. Yeah. So if you kind of scroll through your Facebook uh, page, um, then it appears to you that everyone else is doing wonderfully well, yeah. whereas you're sitting there at home kind of feeling pretty rubbish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that 
must make things pretty difficult. But I, I guess you know millennials are sort of developing their own skills and and uh, they're certainly able to use technology in in ways that uh, previous mm-hmm. generations uh, can't. Um, well, it's, it's from an employment point of view, it's the first generation that's gone into the workplace knowing more about technology than the people there before you. Right. So you know, do you, if you remember when you and I started um, teaching at the London School, yeah, we had a. Do you remember we had a technical induction? Uh, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, that? I remember. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember it was done by Robin. Robin, yeah. So this 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 old guy Robin basically showed us how everything worked. Yeah. And it was it was like half a day or something. It was crazy, and um, we don't do that anymore because you don't need to do it anymore. But also. People- also People remember I remember when Robin gave me the introduction the the induction the technical induction he was kind of showing me this stuff and I was like working it out while he was showing it to me and I remember mm. him going oh you're good you're very clever aren't you and I was like well it's it's obvious that you double click isn't it yeah. you know I know yeah. when to double click and when not to double click yeah. do you remember that like there was a time when you had to teach someone to double click something yeah double, then- double clicking but then, yeah, but then it's second nature, isn't it? Because we we kind of grew up with that quite yeah. late, I suppose. We weren't we, we didn't have um, we didn't have computers and everything when we were very young, but we certainly had them when we were like teenagers and so on. Yeah. So we learned quite quickly. But even now, I mean, we, we have um, some of the, the teachers that we work with are in their 60s, 50s and 60s. And they really struggle with IT because it's yeah. it's always been second nature. They've, they've never sorry. It's not been second nature to them. Yeah. They've yeah. always struggled to, to, to learn it and they don't retain the information. Whereas, you know, one of the things I said in my talk is that um, a lot of teachers make a mistake when they're teaching millennials and they feel that they have to fill the classroom with technology and use a computer and because right. that's how they think they will engage with these learners. But if you think about someone who grew up in the 80s and the 90s or who were born in the 80s or the 90s, yeah. For them, having the internet in the home is the same as when we were kids and we had television and TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing special. Right, you know? right. So when you, for a teacher to go, right, we're going to use YouTube in today's lesson, it's like, and? Yeah. So that's that's not particularly radical or it's kind revolutionary. Of, I guess the technology is sort of invisible to them, really. Yeah. If you try and make a big deal out of it, today we're going to use this new thing. It's called YouTube. Do you know about yes. YouTube? Then we're like, yeah, so. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're not impressed. Yeah, okay. So I, one of the points I make is that don't feel that you have to throw technology at um, your class to impress them. Yeah. If anything, let them bring the technology to you. Let them decide what works best for them. And that tends to make most teachers feel quite relieved, actually. Yeah. I think personally, you know, as a teacher who continues to, to teach in class and, you know, and, you know, my students are getting younger and younger as I get older and older, I, I find that, you know, the same stuff still applies. And it's essentially the same thing for everyone, no matter what their age. And that's that, you know, you've got to make some sort of human connection. Mm. There has to be it has to be delivered, you know, to those individuals. You've got to listen to people and give people a voice. And it's all about creating the right kind of human connection. And if you're trying to impress people with technology or you're using little tricks and gadgets and bells and whistles, that's all peripheral stuff. And then ultimately, it's all about finding the way to give people a voice and to get you know like to speak speak from the heart 
And it doesn't matter what the medium is, whether you're doing it through technology or you're using technology or not, it really doesn't make a difference. Like I've had classes where I've, I've had no technology available to me and I've had classes where I've had all the technology available to mm. me. And I think, you know, the things that work, are, are, are it's something about finding what motivates people and it's about feelings and um, opinions and, and stuff like that, not the kind of peripheral um, mm -hmm. media of, of technology so you know it, we should realize how useful it is in in being able to um, provide content to our our students but also we have to also just realize the importance of of forgetting about it or not being preoccupied by it mm -hmm. too much yeah yeah i think your point about technology being invisible is, is a really good one and i honestly feel that the the sooner teachers can kind of accept that the technology is invisible and it's only used when it's needed but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be an issue using it it should always enhance what you're doing but it shouldn't be yeah. the biggest challenge yeah the, the technology shouldn't be the biggest challenge in your teaching career it should be the students right yeah exactly yeah i mean like recently we've at the at the british council we've started using um um like software produced by i think it's oxford university press Mm -hmm. which is uh, interactive whiteboard software. And basically you've got the entire book, the entire uh, uh, course book on the screen. Um, and uh, it's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's yeah. really, really great because it's so useful. Um, and the, the thing is that like, I guess the importance of that is that it's, a, it's just sort of making things more efficient uh, rather than being flashy. You know, you, um, I find that using that, software uh helps just because it means i don't have to stand there with the course book in front of me pointing at different parts of the page mm -hmm. um and that's it you know it's just a question of like cutting down the number of barriers and just making things more efficient rather than sort of showing off to the students look at look we're using special technology yeah, you know that yeah. that just doesn't really work, that doesn't work. Uh, yeah. and it gets back to your question before about what's um how is it for, for people learning English now? And I did say that, you, you know, you've, it's, it's as good as it's ever been in many respects. Yeah. It's as good as it's ever been if you are working with someone who knows how to use the technology. Yes. That's, that's, I suppose that's, I should have added that point. If, if, if you were the teacher who's confident with the tools that they've got and they're not using them just for the sake of using them, but they're using them to, to enhance your experience in, in, of learning, then then you've got, you're in a good situation. Yeah. I mean, you know, remember there was a time, right, like before the internet uh, and probably before CDs when it was really hard to get hold of sort of samples of spoken English. Yeah. Um, you know, people used books. They, they just um, learnt all their English from books and, and they, you know, they'd get their radio and they'd try and tune into uh, BBC World Service uh, and stuff like that. But it was really hard to hear native English speakers uh, speaking, especially native English speakers talking, you know, to, to learners of English. Mm. Uh, it, it, you know, it must have been impossible. Um, and then, you know, CDs arrived and, you'd, you know, you'd buy these CDs and you'd use the CDs to listen to. And now with the internet, there's just so much mm. uh, content out there. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is good. You've never had it so good, listeners. Uh, especially yeah. now that there's, you know, episodes of Luke's English podcast free on the internet for you to use. Um, 
don't forget to vote for me. Don't forget to vote for Luke's <laughs> podcast in the British Podcast Awards. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I, just go on. one one final thing before we maybe talk about something else. But yeah. I did go to one of the, I went to a really interesting talk last night about um, learning spaces. So uh, it was a guy that um, he's a professor at one of the universities here, and he's done a lot of work with the government. And he was giving groups of school kids um, a certain amount of money to and, and, and a, a space, a room, if you like, within the school. And they said, look, we want you to design the classroom how you think it should oh, be. Yeah, right. And it was really interesting. And, they, you know, they kind of did stuff like um, they had uh, in the middle of the floor, they had a painted um, lane, if you like. Mm. And that was the running lane. Because and if you if you were there you had to run on that lane because they, they thought well what what do most of us get in trouble with the teachers for and that's running when they shouldn't be running right so in the classroom they created a running lane where you had to run so therefore you know you kind of that's that, that way they wouldn't get into trouble because if they just ran in that part of the the building then that's what they're supposed to do so that was quite clever so these these kids are interested in running <laughs> yeah partly but um, the the. They had to learn French, so they thought, well, how are we going to learn French? Let's speak to French school kids. So almost the, he, there was a number of these projects that he did, but all of them, um, independently of each other, all came up with this idea of a Skype bar. Uh-huh. So they had like some, they had some um, laptops or iPads, whatever, and they were just there to be able to Skype anyone in the world. And that's wow. how they were learning their language. Brilliant. You know, it's, I, I mentioned being self-directed before. Kids are incredibly self-directed, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, if, what's the best way to learn a language? To go and speak to somebody in that language in that country. Yeah. And technology allows you to do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. Do you remember um, the first computer that you ever had? Uh, do you remember what it was? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? We it was a ZX Spectrum. Right. Can you tell us about the ZX Spectrum? Best computer in the world, mate. It was brilliant. It was, wasn't it? It was. We had. We actually had the 16K version first. Oh. So, oh God, how do I just. It was basically. It was a little keyboard. Was that the one with the blue rubber keys? Blue rubber keys, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, if you. You know, if you're, if you're playing like a, a shooty game and you're, you're tapping the key to shoot somebody, it would often get stuck. Yeah. Because it was made of rubber, so you press it so hard that it would actually get wedged into the rest of the keyboard, and then you had to try and prise it out. And it was um, you you had to then try and remember how you did this, Luke. You connected it to the TV, yeah, and then you connected it to a a cassette player, a tape player, right? And then that, and then you put the game. The game was on a cassette tape. Stick it in the machine, press play, and it would load up on the screen. Yeah, and I always remember it being. It would take first of all, it would take ages for the game to load. Yeah. And secondly, it was always a bit hit and miss. Sometimes yeah. it wouldn't work, and you'd have to start again. And and the worst thing that could happen is if your cassette tape got corrupted, and then you could never play the game again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I we had um, the Amstrad CPC six one two eight, which wow. at the time was pretty awesome because it had a disk drive. Uh, wow. And it was it, the cool thing about it was that it it had 128k of RAM. <laughs> now uh, these days, like most laptops, have got about two, four, six gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. This is 128k. 
So yeah. how many K are there in a megabyte? Is it 1,000K in a megabyte? I think, I, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so. So one megabyte is 1,000K. This computer had a RAM of 128K. Mine had 16. 16K of, of, uh, of RAM. So, you know, there's more... There's, oh, I don't know, there's more RAM in, in a bloody Tamagotchi than, than there was in a lot of these uh, these computers that were used. And yeah. uh, the thing is, that I remember, is that there was no double-clicking or anything. We didn't even have a mouse. Um, no. you, you just had to um, program everything into the computer. So the, the computer would load up, and you would be faced with a blue screen with a, with a, uh, a flashing cursor on it. And you to load anything, you had to program it. In. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I forgot you'd, about that. You'd you'd um, um, you'd uh, you'd put the tape in the tape deck, which was connected by an audio cable to the computer. Rewind it, and then when you were ready to press play, you would type into the computer "run tape," and then press mm. enter, and mm. then you press play on the tape, and the the, the data would would literally be loaded into the into the computer, and you could hear the data going in. Yeah. Because it would go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> make this noise like a dial up connection. Yeah. And then, then it would usually load the, the title screen, which was like a picture to represent the game while the game was loading. It would load up the title screen line by line, and you actually watch yeah. the lines of pixels. It would be come... an image, wouldn't it? That's it would right. Like, it would come down from the top really slowly, line by line, and then the image you'd think, oh, this game's going to be brilliant if that's the title screen. <laughs> but the image was never anything like the game. Yeah, you get an image of like some amazing like sort of uh, barbarian with a sword yeah. like chopping off a demon's head or something, and you think, the graphics are going to be brilliant. <laughs> this is sweet. It's going to be brilliant. And then finally it loads, and uh, you realise it's like a sideways scrolling yeah. horrible subpar super mario copy or something um oh yeah those were the days they were good games though i mean i the, I, the first two games we had I, I still remember them now the first one was called trans am uh-huh. did you ever play trans am uh, it's, it's familiar yeah it's a little top down you drove, you had a little car that you had to drive across the desert and okay. you, you had to go and collect trophies and stuff and avoid rocks yeah. and then You'd run out, you'd slowly run out of petrol and you had to then r- drive over petrol pumps. And that was it. It was just dry. It was like Grand Theft Auto. Right. But with, without the violence. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is the driving part. And the other game I had was Jetpack. Do you ever have Jetpack? Oh, um, it was a sideways scrolling kind of sideways, thing. Sideways, yeah. And it was, you had to kill a load of aliens. You're a spaceman with with a jetpack, yeah. hence the name. Yeah. And you had to sort of jump around this, this screen and... Um, you had to put your rocket together, okay, and then you had to fill it with fuel. They were big on filling things with fuel on the ZX Spectrum. I remember that. Yeah, and all the time you had to just keep um, shooting all the aliens that came at you. And then once you'd fill your rocket up with fuel, you got in it and you took off and you went to the next level. And then you did exactly the same thing again, <laughs> but much more difficult. But yeah, but there were more aliens and they were faster. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. Fun times on the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Yeah. yeah, before we even realised that double clicking was a thing. These days, there's less double clicking. Have you noticed? It's mainly single clicking, uh, unless you're op- opening a folder or opening a file. That's when you double click. But everything else is a single click these well, days. Well, yeah, they're, they're they're saying that they've basically the mouse is now being phased out. 
Right. Yeah, it's all going to be so, touch touch screen uh, kind of stuff. It's all touch screen. Yeah. 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 Okay then. All right. Um, so uh, you're you're you've got like a half a day left at the conference. I was going to ask you: Has anyone mistaken you for for Moby recently? Not yet. No. At least they haven't said it. They haven't said it to me. Okay. But I haven't really been wearing my glasses at this conference. Um, okay. And that I'm wearing them today, so who knows? Maybe I will get mistaken for Moby. But no, I, 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 it's been a Moby-free week okay. so far. Any any Moby-related incidents? Then you know you must let us know because um, you know Moby Watch. Moby Watch, exactly. That's what we could call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, how was Ben's presentation at, in the in the France uh, Tessol Colloquium? Because last time we spoke to you, Ben was about to. Um, do his talk the next day. Yes, uh, so my right. listeners would like to know how his talk went. It was good. It was really good. Um, he, I think, if you remember, he he'd only he'd done his talk before, but he'd done it in half an hour, and he had to fill an hour this time. So kind of the, the opposite problem to what I had. And yeah, and he was and in so the he, he was in the big room as well. I remember with the piano <laughs> with the piano in it. With the piano, so we were thinking that maybe if it if he ran out of time or or if he finished early, he just had to jump on the piano, right, and start and start playing. So no, it went well. He filled the time up. He didn't need to do any piano playing. But we were talking about this yesterday because I had dinner with Ben last night, and he was telling me that he's actually been learning the piano. Oh, has he really? So he's learned how to play um, that song by oh god, you know the one that goes, "I can't get no sleep." Oh, uh, Faithless. That one. That's it. So he's he's learned how to play that on the piano. So he could have just done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he'd finished, he could have just gone. Well, that's the end of my presentation. Thank you very much. Oh, and just one other thing. I can't get no sleep. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, um, so what was I going to say to you? I was also going to say, so you've, you've done quite a few talks and presentations now, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, this one, a number of times and various others. Have you got any tips on doing a good presentation? Can you give us like three little, uh, pearls of wisdom regarding how to give a good talk or how to give a good presentation perhaps? Um, uh, yeah, uh, I suppose the, the first thing is, I think if you really are interested in what you're talking about and you have passion for it, mm. then that's the, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. If you like, I've had to do presentations where I wasn't a hundred percent sure about the. I was asked to give a presentation on on something once, and I wasn't really that interested in it. Yeah. And I think that showed. Right. Because you're kind of reaching a little bit, but a, a good presentation. Um, if you're passionate about the subject matter, then that will get your audience interested. And I think the best presentations are the ones where the audience feel that they're included and they feel that they can contribute and ask you questions and then you can respond to them. Um, so that's kind of the first part of the challenge. What I would say then is make sure that you have the right kind of visuals. Okay. Because I've been to... a lots of presentations where it's just slide after slide of loads and loads of text yeah. and the presenter just reads what's on the slide. Oh yeah. And I, I can do that. I can see the slide as well. I don't need you to read it out to me. So try and, um, the, the, the best presentations I've been to is where you'll have whatever the point is that the speaker's making, there will be an image with very little text on it, but that conveys the same thing. This whole idea of a picture saying a thousand words right 
Um, and then one more tip, just enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it's you will be nervous. I mean, I always get nervous before these things. And I think that's good. It's good to have a healthy amount of nervousness. But it, the the worst thing you can do, I think, is is panic too much that if people don't laugh at the right places or disagree with you on something, so what? I mean, they've given up their time to come to your presentation. They've got just as much a, a right to react in whatever way they want to your yeah. presentation yeah. and just go with it and, and accept it and enjoy the experience. And people want it to be good as well. I mean, that they, yeah. you know, I've seen so many times people going up in front of pe- uh, an audience and sort of like killing the presentation b- before it's even had a chance. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Like people are like, oh, this is obviously rubbish. Then I'll just get through it. Mm. And, you know, the, let let everyone else decide whether it's rubbish or not. Like you shouldn't yeah. be the first one to to talk yourself into a bad presentation. Uh, yeah. Most, I- most people are, are, are much more positive about it than you think. I've been to presentations where people apologise at the beginning. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to say sorry because I was going to do this, but I can't do it. Or if you were thinking that the talk was going to be about this, it's naturally not. It's about this, so I'm sorry about that. Yeah, like, really? Don't apologise. Don't, don't apologise. Yeah, don't give yourself a bad review from the beginning. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So be- obviously the, the other things as well, I mean, you've got to practice it. You've got to really make sure you, you know, you have it all, the timings right and everything. But I yeah. think that the mechanics of the presentation – you know the, the the being the practice and the delivery are secondary to the reason you're doing it. Right. You've got to believe in what you're doing, and you've got to enjoy it, and you've got to understand that it's not a one-way stream of you talking to a room. It should be a two-way interaction. Right. Yeah. So I guess it's like be prepared, uh, put some enthusiasm and and, and enjoyment into it. Uh, don't fill your slides with too much uh, written information. Just mm. keep it simple, and try to you know include the audience in what you're doing in various ways, either by giving mm. them little questions or or just by ensuring. I suppose that you talk to the audience and make them feel like they're they're part of it using body language and and eye contact and so on. Um, mm. I was going to ask you to um, just give us a recap on the last time uh, at the Tessol France Colloquium because, as I said, uh, um, when we did our, our conversation before, it was on the Friday night and there, was, there were two other days. Uh, yep. What else happened? Any stories? Do we, do we have any stories for my listeners for, <laughs> we, from, from the last time? We do have stories. We do. Um, on... Um Friday night, I, I, I talked on the Friday night and we, we mentioned this and yeah. it was only, I think it was on the Saturday, Ben said, oh yeah, by the way, when you were doing your talk, there was a woman sitting in the front row drawing your picture. Yeah, I saw that too. In fact, yeah. I saw her during the plenary talk at the beginning, drawing a picture of the guy doing the, the, the plenary uh, presentation. So she, the, she was in a few talks. Uh, drawing pictures of the people yeah. like like it was a courtroom and she was like the courtroom yes. artist or something yes. and th- they were those kinds of pictures as well yeah if, if, i don't know if your listeners are familiar with what we're talking about but those kind of like really exaggerate not caricatures exactly but um simple line drawings which with artistic shading and stuff yeah to uh, try and portray what was going on so we um 
we bumped into her, didn't we, in the evening? <laughs> that's right. At the and, co- kind of the, there was a, like a cocktail drinks afterwards. Yeah, everyone right. was hanging around and chatting and networking and all that stuff. And yeah, we bumped into this woman, uh, the one who drew your picture during your talk. Yeah, that's right. And she's like, "Oh, I have something for you." I was like, "I, I, I heard that you do." <laughs> and so she she presented me with this picture of me. And uh, we maybe we can share this on um, on 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 the on the website. Yeah. And she said, um, "Yeah, when I was drawing it, I was thinking about Ray Fines, thinking how much you look like Ray Fines." I was like, "Oh, that's very nice." Yeah, no Ray. He's quite a, quite a handsome actor. It's usually Moby. And she's <laughs> like, "Yeah, I was <laughs> I was thinking about Ray Fines in the English Patient when he's hideously burnt." <laughs> Unbelievable! I can't believe she said that. It's like wow, wow! Thanks, I, I, thank I, you very much. I guess my listeners know what we're referring to. There's that movie, The English Patient, with Rafe Fiennes in it, and it's yeah. about like a a guy who gets really, really badly burned, and he spends a lot of time in a hospital. He gets burned in a in a plane crash, isn't it? Yeah, all his hair gets burnt off, and his eyebrows are all red. And yeah, he has yeah plane crash in the desert, I think. Yeah, and he's like burns his face really badly. Yeah, burns all his hair off, and burns his his eyebrows off, and and scars his face really badly. And so yeah. this woman was drawing a picture of of you, and you know, ladies and gents, we know what Andy Johnson looks like. He looks like a a, a much more handsome version of Moby, basically. Um, and so this woman was drawing a picture of you, and she was like, oh, yes, when I was drawing this picture, I couldn't help thinking of Rafe Fiennes in The English Patient. You know the bit where he's really badly burned and his face is <laughs> scarred and he loses all his hair? Like, what? How, yeah. What on earth? How how on earth can you say that to a person? And then she, she pulled out the picture and yeah. gave it to you. And she signed it, yeah. <laughs> and how, can you describe the uh, the picture that, of you that she drew? Um, it wasn't very good. Does it uh, does it look like Rafe finds a badly burned Rafe finds from the English patient? It looks more like that than it looks like me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think she had Rafe finds in the English patient so much in her head that she drew Rafe finds in the English patient and then pretended it was me. How could she have said that to you? Because that's yeah. assen- essentially that's like her way of saying, yes, you look like you've been really badly burned and facially scarred and like you've been in a plane crash. Don't she you? Anyway, frightful. lovely to meet you. You look like you've had your face burned off. Yeah. And your eyes are very deeply embedded in your in your skull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other one. Yeah. So I, I, it's, it, I must have a face that A... People think I can go and tell him exactly what he looks like and yeah. he won't be offended. And B, people see different things every time. So, I've, yeah, the thing you you mentioned there, the, the story about the student that told me that I had really, my eyes were really far back in my head. And yeah, all the people thinking I'm Moby and now Ray finds an English patient. Which, hideously burnt. Which, one, new one. which one is the, the the best one? Which one do you like? not mind so much like how would you rank those three things in order of preference <laughs> um okay i'd probably say the least offensive is moby mm-hmm. then probably the eyes in the head and then english patient is by far the most i mean to say that you look like you've been hideously burned i know but <laughs> she didn't even seem to realize that she sort of said something a bit inappropriate mm-hmm. no, she, like, yeah 
Yeah, I suppose she, her intention wasn't to to insult you or anything or to be rude. She, I think she thought she was being quite nice. I guess you look a lot like Ray finds an English patient. Anyway, here's the here's the picture of you mm. that I drew. Um, nice of you. And then she gladly posed for a photograph with you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will send you that picture actually because you you have to see what we're talking about. It really it was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was the whole night. Actually, was if you remember that night, Luke. It was. Yeah. It was a very strange evening because oh, yeah. um, they had a, an open mic night, mm. which is always a bit worrying yeah. when um, you're, you're asking a group of people who aren't entertainers to get up and entertain you. Right. And um, well, what is an open mic night? Just for my audience, just in case they don't know. So if you have any kind of talent, be it um, singing or playing an instrument or, in your case, doing some stand-up comedy, then um, you can just go up and entertain the room. Mm -hmm. Right. So we we went along because um, you were to do a bit of stand-up, which was actually was, was the, by far the best part of the evening. But it started off with... Um, there was a guy that played a bit of piano. Yeah, a little bit of bark he played. A bit of bark, bit of bark yeah. Yeah which was fine, but he looked really pleased with himself at the end of it. He stood up and he gave a little bow and he was really, really happy. I guess there were like 20 to 30 people in the room. And it was more than that. It was more oh, than that? a lot more than was that, it yeah. more than that? Um, yeah, it was so, about 80, I think. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah, yeah, loads yeah. of people in the room. And it was all a bit weird because we'd, you know, been at the conference all day and, and then we'd had some, some wine and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And everyone went into the to this conference room for the open mic, which was like this dimly lit... Uh, 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 auditorium, and uh, the 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 host kind of went up and did uh, did his introduction, and uh, and then the guy started playing the piano and he played about five minutes of Bach, and then he stood up from the piano and he stood in front of the audience and like took a bow like he yeah. was like a the, the a, a great composer doing a an, a, a performance uh, you know at the uh, opera house or something yeah in his head he was playing the Sydney Opera House he took like three to bows to the audience back. as if everyone was throwing bunches of flowers onto the stage <laughs> and stuff and he was like bowing and everyone was like. You know, mm. uh, very good. Uh, he continued bowing, and then the second, the second, uh, the second one was um, this. This this lady, um, an older lady, got up and sang a song. She didn't even know the words. No, she didn't. She was making it up. She's like, see for two, and that was awful. Um, and that seemed to go on forever. Right. And and then was it you? Were you yeah, next? Yeah, then I had to go up. And so the whole time I was sitting there thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing? Because, you know, like to do it, to, uh, the, the recipe for a good comedy show is that it's all kind of snappy and there's music and it's well lit and the other people are funny. And so everyone's in the mood for laughter and, uh, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. But this was just kind of really bizarre and a bit weird. Plus, there were lots of like industry people in the room, like Tefl yeah. industry people, yeah. uh, you know, publishing company um, uh, uh, people, like uh, publishers and, you know, all these kind of fairly important industry type people. And I was thinking to myself, I'm now going to go up and do my comedy routine in front of all this lot. Uh, and so I was thinking, in my head, I was thinking, be prepared to die on your ass like you've never died yeah. before. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but it, it kind of it went all right, I suppose. Yeah, it was good. It was very, very good. Um, you made everyone laugh. There was a woman in the front row drawing a caricature of you. Was there? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish, wish there was. I wish there was, too. <laughs> and then after you, um, 
was your friend Fluency MC. Yeah, He's that's been on the right. podcast, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. he? He came up and did something, which I think his act is really good with the right audience. Yeah. But it was a little bit strange seeing it <laughs> in front of all those people you just mentioned and he's rapping about grammar and past tenses that that was a bit odd but we i think we left shortly after that didn't we yeah we had to go because we had to go to another show somewhere else so we we had the we were super cool because we're like okay you guys we've got to go to another show now you know catch you later dudes we kind of made a sharp and fashionable exit to to go to another performance um but uh, I, I got a little message later from somebody who had stayed and she was like you left at the right time and she she sent a picture of everybody doing like a kaylee the you know the irish dance oh right <laughs> that looked particularly painful so um i'm pleased that we left when we left yeah all right well it was it was fun now um andy have you been keeping up with the comments on my website since you yes. uh, and ben appeared yes. on the podcast yeah I'm glad so- you asked me about this i wanted to talk about this because um, last time we were on, I discovered yeah. the comments section of your website mm. and I, I, I haven't been able to do very much recently, but I was um, trying to join in with the discussion a little bit yeah. and you've got some really, really interesting people on there. Oh yeah. And I, I'm sure not all of your listeners go to this part of, the, of your website, but it's well worth doing because, um, I'm looking at it now. So our second, um, podcast that ben and i did i think we've got about 200 comments on there right and you know and i just i just wanted to say thank you to some of the people in there like kat in particular was um she's been very supportive and actually she made a very good point about the um the presentation i shared yeah on the website she, she asked me a question about it which about the difference between me-centric and self-centered yeah and when i gave my talk a couple of days ago here in glasgow i actually changed that section because I realized that there was an element of confusion. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, And then I also wanted to talk about Jack. Ah, yes. Yes. Jack. (laughs) Jack is a little bit of a mystery because we don't know where he comes from. We don't know who he is. We don't know where he's from. Um, and we don't know where he, where he comes from. And also he, he, every now and then he writes in a slightly different kind of dialect. So yeah. at times in in my head, Jack speaks like this, yeah, in my head, right? So this is the way that Jack <laughs> speaks in the comments section of the website. But I don't think he comes from Brixton. Uh, I think that um, he, I've no idea where he comes from. But uh, yeah, interesting character. Well, he doesn't call you King. Yeah, he calls me King. Yo, yeah. King, me wants to know when's you going to have Andy Johnson back on the podcast, <laughs> blood? Um, well, it's happening now, Jack. But I can't remember how it happened, but Jack, um, I think Jack must be a fan of wrestling because I think I made a comment. Yeah. I, th- I can't remember what it was now. And then the next thing there was, he started posting things from the the WWE. And that's kind of evolved into a discussion about you and I having a wrestling match. I think the way it started was that Jack got in, got it into his head that he needed to know who was the best between yeah. you and me. Yeah. Like he wanted us to have a battle to decide yeah. which one was the best. Now, I think originally it was like which one was the best teacher. Mm. And then it just became simply a, a one-on-one battle just <laughs> generally for supremacy to see who's <laughs> the best uh, at fighting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and in his head, uh, Jack 
thinks that we're going to have a, a, a WWE style wrestling match to decide who's the best. We are, aren't we? I thought we I th- were. I thought we were too. I mean, yeah, I don't I've know been how training much, hard. I've been training too. I don't know how much money is at stake. <laughs> Jack, I, you've got to help us with that, Jack. Jack, I did tell Jack before that it was, you know, I would accept nothing less than a million pounds sterling. Because this, is, these are the, this is the sort of, you know, these are the amounts of money that that um, move around in this kind of situation, right? For a big, <laughs> big, uh, high-profile fights like this, yeah. that the fighters have to be paid huge sums of money, otherwise it's just not worth it. And if I'm going to step into a ring with yeah. Andy, uh, I don't know what, what's your name? What's your wrestling name? Uh, the English Patient. Andy, the English Patient Johnson. I'm going to burn you. I'm going to burn you. (laughs) If I'm going to walk into a ring with Andy, the English patient Johnson, I want at least a million quid uh, in an envelope. Well, I I tell you what, I mean, I think that there's a lot of, um, I think most people are going to be on your side, but I want cat in my corner. Okay. Okay. I need, I need cat in my corner to correct me if I, if I'm making a mistake. Right. (laughs) You're hitting him in the wrong place. <laughs> You're hitting him in the chin. You need to hit him in the balls. In the balls. In the balls. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, what would your wrestling name be? Luke? Um 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 oh I don't know. Like Luke the Luke the 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 I don't know, something about being a Jedi or a ninja or something like that. Did we think of something before? Did I we... think you should be called the podcaster. Okay. The podcaster, yeah, that's good. Luke the Podcaster Thompson. And I could use uh, the podcast would be my special move. Yes. So I'd grab you and like throw you around the world, basically. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> uh, you know, you can imagine the commentators going, oh, and Luke Thompson there, he's going to use the podcast. Pow! You know, he podcasted him. He's put the English patient away. He podcasted the English patient there all the way around the ring, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it's um, it, it's really strange because I've I've noticed that the WWE is kind of impacting in my life more and more. Oh, really? What since so, since uh, this this thing was organised? Since this thing was organised, because I made another comment, and yeah. then um, I think I said just bring it. I think that was the expression I used. Bring it on, or bring it, or bring it, or something like that, and then. He sent me a picture of um, Dwayne Johnson, the Rock. the Rock, and he had that on his T-shirt. And I'm thinking, did 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 he say it first? Did I say it first? Where did I get that from? Because you know, for full disclosure, I don't watch the WWE. No, can you can you smell what the Rock is cooking? Uh, y- y- yeah, sausages. <laughs> can you smell what the Rock is cooking? You're, yes, you're cooking a uh, chili con carne, aren't you? That was his thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Can you smell what the Rock is cooking? I yeah. remember that. And then he also said something like. What was the other thing he used to say? Uh, it's like that, or I don't know. I can't remember. I, know, I never used to watch it either, to be honest. Yeah, we we we're kind of straying into an area that we don't really. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking. About. I don't know. What but I'm on the train about. on the train up to Glasgow on Monday morning, yeah. the I was looking at the news, the BBC news website, and they've got like the top ten most read stories. Yeah, and like number three yeah. was the Undertaker retires from wrestling. Do you remember The Undertaker? I do remember The Undertaker, yeah. I remember him when I was a kid. Yeah. He's, he literally has just stopped no, retired th- wrestling this year. I think that there have been a number of different Undertakers. That The character oh, has really? remained, but they've, the character of The Undertaker has been uh, played by different wrestlers. 
I think that's okay. what it is. Yeah. But they were saying that he's been he's been wrestling for twenty seven years. Oh really? Twenty seven years. So he's in like his fifties now, and he's Whoa. still like throwing people around and all Whoa. kinds. Of, and I just thought, wow. I mean, what? What a curious way to lead your life to make a living. Yeah. But I suppose it's, it's it's a form of acting, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. Oh, you're not supposed to say that it's fake. No? You know, No, I don't think you're supposed to say that. Uh, but we all know that it's uh, it's real, apparently. Yeah, your pain is going to be real, brother. <laughs> you hear me? <laughs> so how are we going to settle this, this grudge match then, Andy? How are we going to sort this out? Who, how are we uh, going to decide who's the best? Um, well, I think we're going to have to leave it up to the, the listeners to decide somehow. I think so. Which I, pretty much means you're going to win. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just use my ninja squadron uh, against you. But, I mean, you know, I guess there are various different ways that we could uh, settle this. You know, there are different categories. You know, like the speed, stamina, strength, intelligence. Okay. Top trumps, I like it like a top trumps thing speed Ooh. stamina strength intelligence uh, a knowledge of grammar mm-hmm. um, teaching experience um hair hair well yeah uh clothing you'll win that one clothing, clothing. I, I think you might I'd win like, that because uh um, edge that one i think you probably win that one uh, stamina i've run a marathon you haven't that's right i don't have the same level of stamina as you because you're a marathon runner speed um i'm not very fast I'm uh, a marathon runner. Slow and I'm, steady wins the race. I'm not that fast either, but maybe, yeah, uh, I would beat you on that one. But I think you've got me on the stamina. I don't know about the strength. Uh, we'd need to have an arm wrestle to work that one out. Uh, uh, intelligence, I get the impression that you would you would uh, just you'd take the lead on that one, I think. Um, I, I don't know why. You know more about millennials and things than I do. So I think, yeah, I, got... I, think, I'd, I think the millennials category I'd win. Right, millennials but you, would but be... Then, but then you get me back on podcasting. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, grammar. Um, we'd have to have a grammar off to, to, grammar off, yeah. to, to work that one out. Uh, teaching experience. I think that I've got slightly more teaching experience than you. Yeah. Well, I'm no longer in the classroom, so I think, you know, you, you, you would ace that one. So, yeah, but in terms of um, uh, status, like uh, uh, job level status, I think you'd beat me on that one because technically you were my boss for a while. I was, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. So very, you'd have not, me on that not one. Not very long. Not very long. Uh, resemblance to a 90s techno pop star. Yeah, I'm I all over that one. you'd win that one. Got um, you there. Got you there. Fame. I think you, you're beating me on fame. I, th- I guess so. Although, since you've been on this podcast, you know, your fame levels have, have gone up somewhat. And plus, people do think you're Moby, so that would work in your favour. Uh, in fact, I, I tweeted that I was going to be on your podcast. Yeah. And I, that tweet was retweeted more times than anything i've ever tweeted before oh really so that was purely riding on on your coattails luke okay well you know well you're welcome you're welcome to them here are some ways that i would attack you andy okay other than the the podcasting technique that i mentioned earlier um i would here are some ways i would make you a cup of tea but i'd use the wrong type of tea or i'd make you a cup of tea and i'd put off milk in the tea pow that's dirty off milk milk that's gone past its use by date yeah or you'd make me a cup of tea but you wouldn't give it to me until it was cold right i'd let it go cold i'd let it go lukewarm luke lukewarm um here are some other ways i'd get you i'd switch all of your board pens for old board pens 
<laughs> no, I've got a better one. I would, I would, well, I would counter. I would switch all of the caps on your board pen, so you think you're getting the black pen, but really it's red. Ooh, yeah, that's gonna hurt. Um, I would, I would send uh, WhatsApp messages to all of the millennials in your classes to distract them while they should be learning English from you. But I guess you wouldn't mind, as we said before, because you know we know that they can multitask. But I would, I would, I would send them extremely engaging, captivating WhatsApp messages, which would force them to uh, give their undivided attention to to them, distracting them from your lesson lessons and undermining undermining your work from the from the the students' uh, side. Bang! Ouch! Well, I would, I would take your phone. Yeah. And I would send one message to everyone in your phone book and it would simply read i'm in the bath thinking of you (laughs) why would that be bad that that wouldn't necessarily be bad would it i can't imagine really anyone well except members of my dad yeah (laughs) except for members of my family i think that would be all right with almost anyone Except, except family members um yeah. Okay. Well, I, I guess we will have to let the listeners decide ultimately yeah. uh, what the result of this match is. But um, without actually getting into the ring and sort of throwing each other around, I think uh, it's all a question of speculation. So I'll I'll let the listeners leave their comments, uh, and you know they can tell us how exactly this fight would go down and who would win and and what categories are being judged and all that stuff. I'll let the listeners decide. Yeah. Excellent. Bring it on. All right. Um, well, mate, it was nice to talk to you on the podcast again. You have to come back again at some point. Will do. When you've got some Moby news for us or, or something similar. I'll keep you updated. Um, and um, are you going back to the conference now? No, I, um, I'm actually going to go and get a train. The conference finishes tomorrow, but um, we're having a baby, my wife and I. Oh, yeah, congratulations. So, um, not, not tomorrow. <laughs> if it was happening tomorrow, I wouldn't be here. But no, we've, we've got our, one of our scans uh, tomorrow afternoon. So I'm, I'm going home. So I'll be home tonight and then we're, we're going to go and have that tomorrow. So okay. we'll, we'll find out whether we're having a boy or a girl, Ooh, which is quite exciting. It is. That is very exciting. Oh, I think we're having a girl. I think we're having a girl. What, but, you, um, you just feel that you're having a girl? Well, we... Um, at a previous scan, um, the sonographer kept using she and then said, oh, I mean it, I mean it, and was kind of really kind of trying to cover her tracks up. <laughs> That's a bit clumsy, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit clumsy. And at the end, because we didn't want to find out the, the, the gender, because we didn't find out for our first. We've got, we've got a little boy called Ezra and we didn't find out with him. Yeah. And we didn't want to find out with this one, but... Um, She's like, oh yeah, she's um, she's this, and she's like, I mean, it, it, it. And at the end of the scan, she's like, she says, oh, I really couldn't tell what the the gender of the baby was because the baby was moving around too much. And I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm not an expert. I could see the baby was sitting perfectly still. So uh, we, I think it's going to be a girl. But we've got um, a scan tomorrow. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it, it's it's quite a late scan, and you can pretty much see if it's a boy or a girl, if you know what I mean. So we should probably know for sure tomorrow. So that's very exciting. That's very, very exciting. Fantastic. Okay. And, um, and yeah, so then, and then I'm going on holiday, which is nice. We're going to Spain for our final little holiday before the baby comes. Before baby number two arrives. Yeah. Uh, Okay. All right. Well, enjoy the holiday and say hello to the wife for me. Will do. And, uh, you know, congratulations again on the new arrival. 
Thank you. And uh, speak to you soon, I hope. Yeah, and um, enjoy Japan. Yes, when absolutely. You uh, we are going uh, tomorrow. Yeah, oh, wow. So tomorrow evening, yeah. Brilliant. Can't Brilliant. wait. Oh, we'll have a fantastic time, really and I hope, I hope the gig goes well. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. Cheers, Luke. Bye. Bye-bye. So there you go. That was my conversation with Andy Johnson. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I would just like to remind you that you can get uh, 10% off all of the courses at London School Online. Just head over to uh, to londonschoolonline.com and use the offer code LUKE10. That's L-U-K-E-1-0. LUKE10 at checkout and you'll get that 10% discount. Also, um, Andy wanted me to let you know about a free webinar that uh, London School Online are providing uh, this Friday. So that's Friday the 21st of April. Now, if you're interested in IELTS, the IELTS test, if you're interested in that, either as a, a, a learner of English or as a teacher who might be teaching IELTS, if IELTS is what you're interested in, then check this out. It might be useful to you. This is a free webinar from London School Online. Um, and uh, it's called the IELTS Workshop, Your Questions Answered. It's happening on Friday the 21st of April um, at 3pm uh, London time, that's 3pm GMT, which is 4pm Central European time, that's Paris time. So 3pm London time, 4pm Paris time, an IELTS Workshop. And this is the third in their series of free webinars. And this is a webinar about IELTS. That's the International English Language Testing System. And uh, this is going to take place on their e-learning platform, London School Online. And it's suitable for anyone who's preparing to take the IELTS exam or indeed for teachers of the exam as well. And the idea is that you can use this webinar to get your answers uh, to your IELTS questions. It's being hosted by uh, one of the teachers at the school, Dara Brady, who I used to work with at London School of English. Dara is an excellent teacher who um, was always a popular teacher at the school, and he has a wide experience in lots of areas of teaching, and also he's an IELTS examiner. So he really knows all the ins and outs of this tricky but important English exam. So if you've got questions about IELTS or you just want information about this uh, exam, then um, you can attend the uh, IELTS workshop on London School Online. It's totally free and everyone's welcome, but uh, you do have to register. Like my talk at the British Council, you do have to register for this one. Uh, you can find the link here on the page for this episode or on the London School of English Facebook page. You can just click on that link and it'll take you to the page where you can register for the IELTS workshop uh, webinar. Uh, free for everyone uh, with an internet connection. Um, and, uh, you know, while we're at it, uh, don't forget also, if you're in the Paris area, don't forget that um, about my teacher talk at the British Council in Paris, Thursday, the 27th of April in the evening. I'll be doing a kind of TED talk about British humour and comedy. And it's also free and everyone's welcome. But you do need to register and you'll find the relevant link on the page for this episode. That's basically it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and watch this space. I mean, uh, pay attention to Luke's English Podcast. Check out your RSS feed um, or Facebook or the website or email inbox if you are subscribed to the emailing list. Watch out for some new episodes coming soon about the Japan trip, 
with some stories, some comments about Japanese culture, and also some descriptions of the comedy show that I did in Tokyo while I was there. Okay, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.